Coffee and Heroes podcast. Welcome once again, guys. Alan here, as always. I hope you enjoyed our episode 100 interview with Canto creators David M. Boer and Drew Zucker. In true comic style, we knew there needed to be a variant to mark such a special occasion. So we lined up another creator we massively admire, and we got to sit down and chat to him too. So I hope you enjoy Coffee and Heroes episode 100B. So guys, welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, this is now our number 100 podcast. Uh, this is our variant edition, if you will. Uh, we chatted the other day to the guys from Canto, uh, David Bohr and Drew Zucker, and now we're chatting to someone a little closer to home. So uh, your host is always, Alan. I'm delighted to join by Mr. Marvel himself. Keith here. And Mr. Indy also. Hey, it's Roddy here. So our guest today has done it all in the comics industry, yet going by his most recent work, he's only getting started. He has worked for DC and Marvel, launched an original series with Image Comics, written one of the biggest selling graphic novels of 2020, and has probably done enough covers to fill many volumes of books. He has drawn covers featuring Batman, Wolverine, X-Men, and more. As well as the big two, he has been contributing to indie projects as well, including one variant I've personally been after for ages with no luck, Deadly Class. And now, an original noir graphic novel set in his native Ireland, which will certainly push him even further in the comics industry. So please welcome Declan Shelby. How are you, sir? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me. This is your, your 100th, is it? 100th podcast? Yeah, yeah. We, um, oh, we've been doing it for a couple of years now, and we've done everything from reviews to previews. We, our first interview proper was with Chip Zdarsky we did about uh, two months ago. Uh, not too bad. Yeah, oh, Chip's a great guy. A lot of time for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody has that same reaction. And of course, I don't know, actually, I have to say he's he he's ridiculously sound. Like it's it's weird because like I've only got to know him originally through the internet, as most of us do. Um, and you know, everyone has this kind of like personality online. Um, you know, it just ends up happening because everybody's on there. But like, I have to say, after having met him, like he was like he's he's genuinely like just lovely. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about Chip. We massaged his ego long enough. This is all yeah, about you. Yeah. This, is, this is Dex time to shine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how, how have you been dealing with all of the lockdown? Obviously, the, the industry sort of shut down for a couple of months. Um, you know, But were you working on lots of projects? Were you watching tons of TV and movies like the rest of us? Playing video games? Yeah, it was a tune. Well, it was it was a lot of like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> um, like, because it's just everything... Yeah, it was it was it was a weird time, all right. Like, because some friends of mine who wouldn't say be as working on, like, as big projects as I've gotten to work on, who are in a more vulnerable position than I was, you know, you, you know, you, you can't complain when there's people who are like your close friends have it harder than you, you know. But even it affected me. Even like I, what I'm doing, what I I I, I pretty much everything figured out for the next couple of years. I was gonna, I was gonna do a thing with at Marvel. And that didn't seem to pan out. But then after that, I was going to go and finish Injection because there's two more volumes of that. That's not really 
looking like it'll pan out. Um, so like the, the two, I, I was fairly secure in, in knowing what I was going to do, which is great as a freelancer. Not many people have that luxury, but like, so I'm pretty much on everyone else's playing field now where I, I've, had, I've had the last, last couple of months has just been scrambling trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? How will I pay the rent in order to do it? Um, while, you know, everybody, you know, it's weird, like everybody was just having a hard time. Um, but I, will, I, I, I think I did okay for a good while because I just basically gave myself projects to work on. Because if I had nothing to do, I'd go spare. Um, so I did some short stories. I did one for Ice Cream Man that's coming out. It's going to be in print soon. I did. Um, I just did one for um, Stephen Mooney's Half Fast Danger. Like I found things to work on, which which kept me going. Um, but like at the same time, I stay at home all the time anyway. So <laughs> lockdown. The only thing is, I'm much much hairier than I was <laughs> when this thing kicked off. Because I kind of just told myself, well. I'm not going to see a human woman for a long time. So what's the point? <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, so I would say I had a, like, I, I kept my, my head together until I'd say maybe a month ago. I think it kind of wore, wore me down a good bit because I try to keep myself like motivated and positive, but eventually like, you know, the, the, the weight of it all kind of, you know, it, it hit some people harder, you know, and sooner, but, um, but, uh, you know, come through the other end and things are kind of looking up again. So, you know, can't, can't, can't complain. Very nice. So a, that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, no, no, it's nice. You know, I think, I think we're all, we're all in that situation where, you know, things were, yeah. were very, very rough and, and unknown but, at the start. Is, free, is the shop, is the shop closed or are you, are you open? Oh, sorry. Days or? I mean, it's, it's kind of similar situation to yourself, Declan, in that we were really busy leading up to it. And then obviously we had to close for a few months, but we found a way to make it work. We did deliveries to people's houses. We posted comics out. We stayed in touch. We, we had a massive back catalog that we sorted out as well. So we've now launched our website. You know, we, it's it's a terrible you know situation that occurred, but after sort of a week of feeling sorry for ourselves, we used the time productively, and then we were lucky enough to reopen again there towards the end of May. So, so we've been back on track. The, the part of Belfast we're in is not the busiest in terms of footfall. It's easy for us to maintain the store, and when there's maybe four or five people in it, uh, mm-hmm. but what what our strength has come through community that we've built and through the regulars we have and they're as regular as clockwork and they support the store as soon as it reopens so but i think any store is like that or has to be like that because i know that a lot of did close and stuff but and not to be unfair but i think a lot of those that closed probably didn't have that community aspect and mm-hmm. like i mean retail was going this way anyway you know if you're not able to diversify how your money comes in then you're leaving yourself open you know so like things like deliveries, like the stuff that you're doing, you just, you just have to, you know? Um, yeah. You find, uh, you find a way to make it work. That's, that's mm-hmm. the key. You know, it's, it's, it's all well and good blaming the world, but unfortunately, as you say, everybody's in the same boat. So, you know, you have to knuckle down, figure out a way to, to make it work, sure. and, you know, go from there. And, you know, we, we did more podcasts. We launched a YouTube channel. We, yeah, we, we kept really busy. So we've hopefully come out the other side of it anyway. <laughs> That's great for me, guys. Cheers. Well, uh, well, tell us, Declan, um, in true uh, in true comic book format, 
what's your origin story? How does a how does a boy from from Ennis and County Clare get to having your name as either artist or writer consistently on the cover of internationally selling comic books? How does that happen? Well, when you put it when you put it like that, it just sounds like I'm some kind of genius. Um, <laughs> uh, but like uh, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I I, I did a. I did a kind of a group call with some of the Irish lads there recently. And like, we, we, you know, we all started from nowhere and like flash forward 10, 15 years. And then you've got all this stuff under your belt. So it's kind of, for a long time, I felt like nothing was happening at all. I would be like, I'll be delivering coal like on weekends and like working on my portfolio during the week. And it just felt like nothing was happening for so long. But then, you know, little things happen like if you have your tiny little breaks all these little tiny 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 things like where you know i would go i, I and, sorry sorry i well, I, should, I should take a, a few steps back so yeah i, I raised it was raised in ennis county Clare. um i was like I, I drew comics ever since i could i could i could pick up a pencil but um i didn't really know how to have a career in it you know and um, there was no there wasn't a map by any means um but i I do remember finding out about Garrett Dennis and John McRae when I was like 13. I remember thinking, I found out they were from Ireland. I was like, what? They're from, like, I'd never heard of anybody from Ireland who who did like proper comics, you know? Um, And I will say, I think that's something that's carried through because knowing that they could do it can help give me the excuse that maybe I could do it. And I've talked to younger creators now who say the same thing about me. As in, they didn't know that it could be done, but then they saw some guy from Clare doing it, or Will from who's from Cork, or um, Mooney who's from Dublin. Like seeing, you know, regular guys from Ireland do it gave them the excuse, and it, it makes sense, you know, because it's there's such a disconnect between like somebody who works for Marvel and me who grew up in a council estate. You don't put those two things together, but um, but anyway, so yeah, I went to art college after that. And um, I kind of I just dicked around there for a few years, um, learned how to talk to girls because I went to an all boys Catholic school, so that didn't that didn't help me at all. <laughs> um, but after once I finished college, I kind of just said, well, like I'm going to take this fucking seriously. Um, so yeah, I was working my portfolio. I actually went up to Belfast. My first ever convention was a game was QCon. Oh yes. oh yeah, I went, I, went, I went to one of those. It was my first time ever going to Belfast, and I was fucking shitting it um, <laughs> i was on the bus and we were going up the road and then like the on the path the 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 curb stones or whatever you call them like they turned like red white and blue and we're thinking like jesus we're in france you know like um, it was a lot of british flags all over the place like what the hell because i mean i grew up like hearing about the north but i'd never been not i was I was 21 um i was staying with my friend's my friend and his sister and her boyfriend came in to the room. He went, what about you? And I was like, just fucking take it, take it all. (laughs) Just don't hit me. Um, I'd never heard, I'd never heard the phrase. What about you before? Um, But yeah, so that was my first time in Belfast and I went to QCon and um, it was weird because I'd never been to a convention before. And I know QCon is very game centric, which is not my thing at all. And, um, uh, but PJ Holden was signing there. That's why I went up because I wanted to meet a comic book artist. And some some lad came up to me and he was like, 
you know, do you want to play Space Invaders or so, whatever, some game or something? I was like, ah, no, thanks. Like, I, I just, I, I didn't know the game's culture. I didn't, I didn't kind of grow over around that. And it, I was never into it. But I did get to talk to, thanks for tolerating my, my uh, Northern accent, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I, I went up to, to PJ and showed him my stuff. And he was very, um, like, supportive. Um, I remember him saying, oh, you're going to draw comics. And I was like, why did you say that? And he was like, well, because you're clearly doing it. You've been doing it this long. You're not going to stop now. But for him to say you're going to do it, and I don't know if it's like this of north, but like here it kind of feels like you, it's like you need permission before you can think, you know, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody going, oh, no, no. It's, it's like he gave me permission. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, well, I guess yeah. I can. <laughs> I guess I can then, you know, mm-hmm. Um and, and and he encouraged me to go to British conventions. So I started doing that. I'd save up and I would go to like Bristol Con was a big one at the time. Um, and then save up more. And I would go to American cons. I went to San Diego Comic Con back in, I think it was 2007. Um, that was my first time in America. Um, uh, I went there with Will Slimey at the, um, back then. And I, I just kind of kept, you just keep at it, keep at it, keep showing your, your portfolio, get more feedback. And then... Um, I got I got um I got to do some small press work in Ireland for um uh, Rob Curley who's who's he had his book Freak Show that was my first proper job, and then I got some um graphic novel work for Classical Comics which is a crowd in the UK, um who her the editor heard me and another and Stephen Downey who's a who's a who's from the north who's a very strong northern accent. And I was making a joke about how different we sound, and the English editor was like, "You both sound the same to me." I'm like, I do not sound like him. <laughs> um, oh. But uh, I got, um, I got, a, I got an offer to to try out for Twenty Eight Days Later, which is a Boom Studios book, um, and I got, I didn't get that. And then the guy who did get it started working for Marvel, so then I got it. So sound, and, <laughs> and 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 when that started happening, I was I was going to American shows, and I think the fact having an American book on the stands was a big help. So um, uh, so then yeah, I I um I met a writer who was um, he was writing Thunderbolts at Marvel called Jeff Par- his name was Jeff Parker, and he liked my stuff and he sent it on to Marvel. The editor liked it. I got a fill-in gig, and then from there I just kind of I just kept going. I like kept would just hope to keep hiring me. <laughs> that was that was it because you didn't know i didn't get like you didn't get like uh exclusive contract or something it was just like do you want to do this yeah grand and then you do it and you just hope for more and thankfully they just kind of kept giving me stuff so i hope nice. that was that was, that was... <laughs> concise <laughs> in a box in a, in a, yeah. In a shoe box. yeah I've, I've, I've told variations of stories so many times over the years like <laughs> you could definitely fit that into 22 pages you know yeah done. um yeah <laughs> so you kind of mentioned it there um, about all the phenomenal talent on this island, like North and South. Um, I didn't say anything about phenomenal talent. Why do you think that is? Let's talk about self. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, it's, it's a fair question because like, it felt like there was nothing. It was Gareth and John and that was it. You know, um, PJ was definitely like, he was killing it in 2018 at the time. That was the only one I that was visible to me um but at the time when when I was starting out Stephen Thompson and Stephen Mooney and Nick Roach were all doing American work for Transformers or um uh what was Thompson doing at the time 
I just can't remember now, but um, and when he was doing like a CSI comics, like there was th- those guys were doing it before. Like it's weird meeting the Dublin fellas because they all, you know, had way more access to comics than I did. Say so me and Will were similar in that we didn't have a whole lot. Whereas, I, like, I resented Dublin people because I just had comic shops coming out of their arses, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so as a result, they, you know, they were, and they were all, they were a, bit, a little bit older than us too. So they, they were. We, I thought I was the only Irish person who drew comics in Ireland until I met Will, and then we thought we were the only ones until we met the rest of them. So it's just, it's just all these experiences of like disappointment. But um, I think maybe, I mean, I don't know if we're super, super talented here, but like. I think there's something to be said for the work ethic. Um, I think that we're, you know, most most of the guys mentioned like are all most, as I'm implying that one of them isn't. Um, we know who we're talking about. Um, but most are, you know, eager to please, you know, want to do a good job, want to be good to work with, you know. Um, so I think, you know, we don't ruffle feathers too much, like, you know. Um, uh, and I think we're all fairly supportive. Um I was talking to to a UK creator one time and they were saying that um, they envied the Irish comic scene because we were all supportive of each other, whereas they felt that the British scene was more in competition with each other. I thought that was interesting Um, because we don't have an industry here, you know, in the South anyway. um, No, there's no companies up up north. Uh, So so, so in in the UK, there's like DC Thompson and 2000 AD. They have like industry. Here, it's all small press, you know, so... Mm -hmm you know whose job are you going for nobody's you know um and if you get if you get opportunities outside of the island well fair play to you um but but i do think there's a level of like like stephen mooney got me my first job and i got will slimy his first job um you know like and we've all we all do try pay it forward you know i got chris haller in his first marvel coloring good job um you know we're all we're all wants to help each other like you know and i think i think that's that's what but, but of course you need a talent like you can you can help somebody with a gig but you can't make them good at it so i think it's been a good i think it's been a creative surge and um a level of like excitement and and enthusiasm and i think it's all kind of propagated to success for so many people i mean there's a lot yeah. of that uh, there's a lot of that sounds very familiar i work in music uh, in northern ireland and just exactly what you're saying about that sort of community aspect versus, you know, the larger markets. It really stands, really stands true in that industry as well. Very, very interesting to hear. Yeah, well, yeah, I, that that is interesting. I, I, because I, yeah, I don't know the music scene. Would would that support slash competition? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's exactly is exactly what uh what you're what you're saying just stands true. You know, it's that it's that supporting each other. You know, paying it forward. What goes around comes around. You know that sort of thing. You know, it's uh, it's more of a nearly more of a community than a or a scene in a community than an industry. Um, yeah, no, I mean, well, well, music. I mean, to be fair, is an industry. Comic, like here, even um, comics isn't. It's 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 just a scene. But mm-hmm. like a lot of us have done are in the industry. It's just not an Irish industry. It's all. That's the only thing I don't like. And there's, you know, I'm sure we get back to it later. But it's why I want to do the Irish stuff. Is just that. Every, it's all American stories. It's all you know stories outside of Ireland. And it, I think what's nice is some of us like Mooney and um, and Nick are in a place where you know we've established ourselves as creators. So now we can do stories that are a bit more Irish focused because there's we have our own audiences, you know. But that stuff takes time. I mean, you're talking 10, 15 years to kind of get to that level. 
Yeah, I think that's awesome because I've seen, I'd love to see more. We kind of talk about it on the podcast a wee bit. Like there's a lot more European creators as well, artists and writers coming across now, whereas maybe say, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it seemed like the language language barrier was a bit of an issue, but now a lot more people are landing these big American gigs and hopefully it's something, there's definitely that influence comes across and hopefully like with your work, we can see a bit more work that isn't just set in America and not, not necessarily the same old thing, but it would be cool to see that the European translated into English and seeing a lot more of that. Well, I mean, uh, well, actually, to be honest, a much better answer to your question was probably it's probably the internet. Uh, <laughs> well, in just in that, like you know, it's easier to be paid, it's easier to send work, communication mm-hmm. is really easy, you know. Whereas if you go, like, say, you know, I think I've talked to McRae, and like, you know, he'd have to write like, you know, the correspondence would take ages, and he'd have to get to a FedEx place to send off stuff. Like, whereas I literally, I just scanned it in my room and uh, you know, the studio and send it off. Um, internet has made it much 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 easier to have these relationships and maintain international relationships um but also i think you know comics also looked outside of america and i mean some of the best creators aren't american you know uh for for what is like an american medium pretty much um but like you know your morrisons and your um, quietly's and uh, your, you know, Gillen's. So there's loads of t- talent that isn't from. Uh, and, and look at, just look at Spain for artists like Marcus Martin and Javier Rodriguez, and like it's 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 it's, it's it just makes everything better. I think that the melting pot is is broader and there's more, especially because I think people's tastes have developed where they don't just like one thing. You you can like different types of things, and it's it's nice that the skill set is matched the demand for for it which is pretty encouraging well cool well why don't we jump to that sort of those pesky american comics quickly we'll chat about those a little bit with some of your work but then we'll cycle back around to certainly your more recent homegrown success i mean i i'm a big dc fan and i'm one of my favorite writers is scott snyder and you've obviously cultivated a very good relationship with scott you know he's trusted you to do american vampire stuff Worked on All Star Batman with him and John Romita Jr. Uh, worked on Batman The Signal. I mean, how did that sort of relationship come about? You know, because you, you and Scott must have been coming through roughly at the same time he was making his name, I would say, just as you were. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I think I remember seeing Scott Star rise because, again, I was listening to American podcasts while I was drawn, like in Dublin or whatever. And, you know, writers' careers can go very their their curve goes very high if if the right things go from like was it three years ago no one had a fucking clue who donny cates was now now look at him you know and as as an artist it takes a much much longer but i think how did i meet i think i met scott through sean murphy i was mates with sean murphy and he did a signing and i think i went for dinner with him scott and jim lee which was mental. Just was like, <laughs> that that is quite the round table. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Um but but that was it, you know. I mean, I don't know. I think I think again it helps being Irish and that like when you're over in the States you stand out. You have all of the allure of being like something exotic <laughs> even though you're just 
pasty, hairy like everybody else. But um, but you don't have like say the language barrier isn't so much of an issue. Um, so you're instantly more interesting when you're over there, which is which is great because I'm not interesting at all back here. Like you know, um, no one gives a toss. But um, uh, but you know that helped. And then also, so I think I just kept in light contact with Scott. But um, um, the lads of the Big Bang here put on a show called Dice, and they brought over Greg Capullo and and um, and Scott Snyder, and and that was a great chance to hang out with him for a few days that you wouldn't get otherwise. You know, that was a great thing about having shows here is that like you go to America and everybody wants to talk to these guys. You know, as Irish people, you'd be like, you know, which was nice. We'd get invited, like me and uh, Rooney or whatever, we'd get invited along to stuff. And you'd be like, you know, you can go. we be like, ah, no, it's grand. Like, you know, and then and they'll go, no, no, really, come on. And we'd be like, oh, yeah, fine. So um, whereas, you know, everybody else is like trying to bang at the door. Like, um, but when they're here, you can just be way more like, do you want to go for a pint? Or let me show you around. Or like, we definitely... Like I've deve- I've started relationships by going to American shows, but when they come here, you really it like you tighten those bonds because like they get to have an experience outside of like going to just another American show, and like they'll just be so grateful that you took the time. I mean, of course you're going to take the time to show them around, but still, it's I don't know these the, the, you know the phrase is who you know. I mean, I got those gigs because I knew Scott. That was it because DC hadn't shown much interest in me, but Scott had. Um, but you know, I didn't become best mates with Scott out of nowhere or anything. Uh, we, we just, you know, you just kind of get to know somebody over a while, or they like, or you know, I'm guessing he liked my work. Um, uh, actually, wait, I remember. Wait, maybe the first time I met him was actually Kapow. I think John Hendrick introduced me to him. I think that's the first time I met him. It's hard to say, man. Like I've, it's been so many bars, and <laughs> I tend to close them out, so. <laughs> my memory's not the best, you know. Um, but, but again, case in point, like by the time I worked with Scott, I'd probably known him three or four years, you know. Um, so you know, a lot of it's like getting to know somebody and trusting them, and and being a fan of their work. So, um, you know, he. Gave, I think the first thing I did with him was the American Vampire short story, and that that went well. That was that was actually Jason Aaron. So I got to work with Jason Aaron. That was savage. But um, but yeah, doing the Batman stuff was like I didn't. I was drawing an issue one of Batman written by Scott Snyder, like for all-star Batman. I remember I actually had a bit of a freak out at the time going, what the fuck am I doing? Like me, this gobshite, like what the hell am I doing this for? Um, <laughs> but then again, you know, why question it if things are going your way, you know, just like shut up and just, <laughs> just uh, take your medicine, you know? <laughs> and that, uh, that, that all-star Batman, that was, uh, John Romita Jr. as well, one of our one of our favorites. Yeah, so, but, I mean, his, his work on Spider Man and um, like Daredevil, um, Man Without Fear is my top two or three graphic novel ever. Um, like, it just changed my life. And like, just to be on a book with John Romita Jr. Like, again, you're in the emails. And you're like, does anybody know I'm here? I just <laughs> just, just, just sit quietly in the corner. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So like I mean yeah it's it's crazy the stuff I've gotten to work on is it's it's like not only have I gotten to work at Marvel which was the dream but I also got to work at DC and not only did I get to do that I also got to work on Batman and not only did I get to do that I've gotten to work on like things like Moon Knight and now like I just did a, I just wrote and drew a Wolverine story like who the hell gets to do that you know um so like I could be doing well for an Irish guy which I was but I'm in a weird place where in the context of American comics, I'm doing well, which is another 
you know, is another massive leap in luck to have. Like, so I can't. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a jammy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you also yeah, yeah. just answered the question there of whether you were a DC or Marvel guy growing up. Clearly, Marvel was the dream. So I, it was Marvel and Batman, to be honest. That, that's I, most I people. Up, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like it's the you know I'm 38, so like it was the. X-Men cartoon and the Batman cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon, that was just everything for me. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't like a lot of the DC characters because they all just felt a bit stale. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, I would have said the same thing about Avengers. I remember before picking up an Avengers comic, I was like, meh. Because he's like, you know, <laughs> now they're the biggest thing in the world. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, showing my, I'm showing my age because that's that's the stuff that just that just got me into to, to comics big time. Um, oh yeah, I, and not to say I don't like DC. It's just I didn't, I just didn't have the exposure to those characters at the same at the age where you're just filled with enthusiasm and and interest. You know, um, if I if I got to go to a comic shop, my mom would take me to Dublin for my birthday and and leave me in Forbidden Planet for the day, and um, that's my only that's the only time. Sure, even Batman comics I couldn't get. You know, um, so it was just a lot of it was down to 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 the exposure I had as a kid but um but I'm not somebody who's like you know you know Marvel sucks DC you're the best and I just good comics is all I I really care about and so those characters at DC I'd work on but like the ones I just be I'd have a little more enthusiasm generally would be Marvel ones cool uh, well, speaking of Marvel, which is great because right? Marvel are the ones that like to hire me, hire the most. So, yeah. <laughs> <was that fun? laughs> so t- tell me this: when um, when you're getting those emails from Marvel, um, when they tell you the name of a character, who is your favorite character to draw when you sit down at a table? Who still excites you the most to kind of to get underneath your skin almost? I would be. Well, to be honest, Wolverine. I love drawing Wolverine. Um, and I'm lucky I've gotten to do him a bit, you know, with the return of Wolverine last year and just do the story now. And he was when I did Deadpool, I couldn't have given a toss about Deadpool. I, I had no interest. Um, but Wolverine and Captain America were going to be in it. I was like, all right. <laughs> like, it was like Wolverine, Captain America featuring Deadpool. Um, yeah, we like that answer. But I mean, I, I, I became a Deadpool fan by reading the scripts, I have to say, I mean, I am, I am a convert to, to, to Deadpool, but, um, um, Daredevil though is my, like, I was reading something a while ago from a creator saying like, never tell, never let Marvel know the character you really, really want. I'm like, it's a bit fucking late for that because I spent the last 10 years saying I want to do Daredevil. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's where, I mean, it's like a mix of, I guess it's a mix of Spider-Man and Batman to a degree where you've got the physicality and the graphic design, you know, and I, I, I like both of those things. Um, and I've only gotten to do Daredevil on like two covers and um, a one page story I did for Marvel Comics 1001. So I've only really had like little tastes, you know, um, but that's yeah, that's that's my that's my bucket list character. So I feel like I mean, maybe I'll never get to do it, but I, I'm hoping I can I can get to a place where I could like write and draw Daredevil, which, you know, again, is is a is a is a is a bollocks move because like who gets to do that and not a lot of people Frank Miller, you know, me it's, it's not it's not the same thing, um, but you know you you, you got to have dreams you know. Well, that dream becomes a reality this new yeah, comic book day. For that rainbow. 
it becomes a reality this new comic book day because the daredevil annual comes out and you've obviously done the variant for that yeah which i mean i was chuffed to get it uh, i love i, I like it's weird part of me thinks i shouldn't draw daredevil much because if i ever do get to draw and people will be sick of seeing me doing it <laughs> same time like i'm not i'm just not going to say no to to a daredevil cover you know um but but yeah if at marvel i mean I, sorry i'm not sure if i answered your question then did i, I think i did yeah why not yeah sure <laughs> you did, i think you did <laughs> yeah. but in a lot of cases like sometimes when, when i was starting out and doing thunderbolts it was like this character i'm like who the f- is that and you have to do research and find out who they are you're like this guy looks terrible i wonder if i can redesign them so that's that was that was entertaining and i will say like that when i did get to work on batman it was so intimidating whereas i didn't have that problem on any other project because like even venom when i worked on that it was a different version of venom so a lot of the kind of childhood um dreams that would really um like psych out your brain to work on wasn't so much of an issue because I had an in on those things. Um, but Batman was literally Batman and I was literally getting to draw the Batman. And I remember having a freak out um, at that time. So um, sometimes it's better not to work on those characters, you know, because you can just freeze up. Uh, speaking of Venom, uh, I saw on your Twitter, the commission, the, the agent Venom Spider-Man commission that you did there over the, over the weekend. That was a gorgeous piece. Gorgeous oh, thanks, piece. Man. Uh, yeah, they, they um, it's sort of because of uh, COVID and everything that like cover work dried up. But thankfully, lots of people want to get like cover level commissions. So I've, I've been doing those. And um, yeah, they're fun. I mean, I normally don't do big commissions like that because I've, I've so little time. But because I freed the time to do commissions, I'm like, well, I might as well like really go for it. Um, and yeah, some of them, I did a Daredevil versus the Hand one, which I'm really happy with. And um, yeah, that, that's it's also kind of nice to revisit those characters because I think I'm a lot better drawing than I was when I was on the book. So, you know, I, I get to, it's, it's nice, it's nice to play the hits sometimes, you know, there well, we go. you were obviously getting ready to launch Punisher versus Barracuda with Ed Brisson, obviously. And then <laughs> COVID halted the I entire was. industry. Is there, is there <laughs> any news on that? Is that project just on the back burner or I know I Marvel know, obviously I... slowed down production a bit more. Yeah. Well, I think basically they shot everything. Um, except for the stuff, you know, for, for a month or so, and they're slowly releasing, I guess, the things that, I mean, this isn't, they haven't told me this. This is my, my assumption is that they're releasing the stuff that basically they need to get out there, their event and, 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 uh, release new books. I think Punisher being a self-contained miniseries is low priority. Um, and I, I imagine that they're waiting until the markets kind of calm down a little before they, they, they release it as it stands. All I know is that, f- like four issues are done, uh, drawn, um, the last issue is written. I I have all the layouts done. I was literally about to start pen- penciling the first page of the last issue when it happened. Um, <laughs> so I think it's basically a wait and see. Um, like I think they have bigger fish to fry at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as I know, they fully intend on doing it. I just don't know when. So I mean, I can't really, I can't really wait around on that. You know understandable understandable so it, it is great I, I like it i'm really really happy with it it's like a really hardcore crime noir um like and i got to like the stuff the bug bodies and savage town that stuff i i made because i wanted to write crime i wanted to do a crime book now and through punisher versus barracuda i'm getting to do that at marvel which is class um so yeah no I, i'm really really happy with it like i just 
Um, it's weird. Like I, I would be more if this was regular times and Marvel just like paused it for for like this, I'd be pissed off. But you know, it's hard. You know, everyone's having a hard time. So I mean, you can't really take it personally. You know. Yeah, I mean that that that's it. I mean. Talking about staying stay with Marvel, um, obviously one of the, I guess one of the, the big splashes that you made at Marvel was on Moon Knight alongside uh, Warren Ellis, and that was, not only was it sort of character defining for the for Moon Knight, but but those visuals, you know, of the three alts, Moon Knight and Mister Knight and Konshu, and especially that that action scene in, in issue five, which Declan was was bloody fantastic. It was like you know they, oh, thanks man. You know there were scenes from the Daredevil TV show that could have could have been taken straight from that issue. You know that it was really really Part, good. Part of me was like sons of bitches. That oh wait no, they would have had to film this like. <laughs> beforehand, you know? yeah. um, but uh, you know that and, and as well as that, I mean that, that that whole Moon Knight was really stylistic. The way you used panels to sort of nearly accentuate power with Moon Knight knocking his opponents, you know, out of the sides of the panels and and taking and. You know the the dropping out of the backgrounds. You know, you had really lovely backgrounds in there. But then when you zoomed in on the characters, the backgrounds dropped away, so the focus was was really in the characters. It nearly felt like like it was like a taken back of control of those tools that are very much part of being a comic artist. You know, and where did that style where did that style come from? Um, well, I mean, I, I feel I feel like Moon Knight was a mix of me uh, like. I think I'm, it was like, it was like all the superhero stuff I'd done on Thunderbolts and Venom, mixed in with like I'd gotten to do some other stuff at um, at, at DC Vertigo. So I did like Northlanders, and I did Conan at Dark Horse, and that was a lot more kind of um, a different sensibility with those books, which I really liked. I tapped into it in a big way, and for me, Moon Knight was a nice way to kind of put both together. Um, and those tools, I mean, a lot of them just come down to to economy, you know, making choices. Um, if I'm going to, I think like the issue three of Moon Knight, there, the, the ghost punks one, um, I drew this like shot of New York City with people walking around in the snow and it took me feckin' ages to do it and I rendered everything and it was all grey washed and with snow, it was just filled with detail because, you know, that's where I establish and bring you into it and this is where you are. But, you know, if Moon Knight's punching a guy in the face, you don't need to see a city street behind him, you know. Um, I think... I think one of my strengths as an as a comics illustrator um, is knowing where to concentrate my efforts. Um, so you know, if if the character is, is says to you, you know, to the is looking at the reader going, "I'm pregnant," then like drawing a New York deli with fifty people walking around, that's not necessarily helping the scene. Now, people like detail, and if you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. But I feel if I like people like to say that comics the cool thing about comics is there's no budget but there is and it's the artist's time so i feel like i've always been a good good at like kind of knowing where do i put in like put more work in here and a little less work in here because every page has a budget and if this page is going to take longer it's going to pull from something else because the deadline doesn't change so it's just a matter of kind of managing your resources effectively you know um but I don't know. I think I just have a gut. I have a fairly good gut reaction for like what you need in a in in a page. Um, so some pages will be a bit sparse on backgrounds, um, but no one's going to remember when the point of it is what the character is saying, you know. And if I if I spend half the day immersing you in the scene, then I don't need to redraw that scene every single time because you the reader knows where they are and they and you have spent the time investing in 
pulling the reader into it, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I feel I feel that's always been a. It's just been a. Uh, I've just had good instincts in that regard, um, which 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 have helped. I mean that that uh, that issue five of Midnight did have me wondering whether whether or not you were a martial artist yourself, or whether or not you'd you'd spent a lot of time. <laughs> you know? I felt like I was at the time. Um, uh, no, I'd watched a lot of um, a lot of action uh, movies. Um, well, it's it's weird. I remember, remember beforehand, I was thinking I'd love to do like a whole issue that's just one long fight scene. And then Warren emailed me like a day afterwards asking if I wanted to do that. I was like, that's fucked. Okay. <laughs> Guess we're doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know how much credit I can take for it. Like, you know, Warren wrote it the way he did. And he, I think the reason we worked so well together was that he constructs things in a way which makes sense in my head. And, you know, so I didn't, he didn't go like Moon Knight fights, whoever. He specifically said what happens in the panels, like he punches this person, he, you know, he, he breaks their neck or whatever it was. But I think what I am good at is laying out the geography of a scene and making sure things connect, you know, one to the other. So if you take any of those panels from Moon Knight, it's not like one panel is cool. I feel like it's it works because the panel next to it works and the panel next to it works and the panel next to it works. So it works as a sequence. Um, that things connect and they feel like they push through rather than um, you know, so, so like yeah, Warren didn't say how to do that. I, like for for me, it's the execution that really nails things. Um, you can you can you can take a bad script and make it work. Um, not that it's really important for the bad script he didn't, but um, but he also gave me the freedom to just really. Moon Knight was like I got to play solo for six issues, you know, um, but like they nearly killed me, but I I really got to show what I could do on those. I'm really grateful for that uh, that opportunity. Um, and and in a weird way, like all the other books are way more ambitious. The the sniper one, the the ghost one, the one where he's in the your man's fucking brain. That was yes. so god. Oh, that would nearly kill me for sure. But if weirdly, the fifth one is kind of it's the most grounded one of them all. It is. Um, but I think it felt more visceral as a result. And um, yeah, I know every, every it's it's weird. It's not often that issue five of a series is everyone's favorite one. But I mean. It is, and it's my favorite too. Well, you obviously established that relationship with Warren Ellis on Moon Knight, and then following that, you co-created Injection for Image Comics with him, and also with the Infinite. This is where Keith, is where Keith tunes out, by the way. He's like, "Oh, Marvel's on. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I'm not worry. That bad, but I'm it's not okay. We've bad. we've got Roddy paying more attention now because he's Mister Indy. Yeah, um, my ears perked up. <laughs> but yes, we, you cl- uh, collaborated with Warren Ellison, also the infinitely busy and never-ending, hard-working Jordy Belair. Uh, we made a joke about Jordy recently in the podcast because we were talking about our favorite issues, and every single issue seemed to be colored by her. Go figure. Um, it's very, 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 very good. <laughs> like, there's no reason why she's on. It's no surprise she's on all the all the best books, or does or helps those artists be the the best you know i mean how was that collaborative process working at image compared to marvel i mean i'm guessing with moon knight you had a certain amount of freedom because it wasn't spider-man or the avengers or that kind of thing but obviously injection is 100 percent your own creation i mean how was the how was that how was that collaborative process i mean it was pretty it was pretty much the same to be honest um in that you know so we worked in the same studio at the time and you know, and I'd have some ideas of running by her and she'd like them or, or wouldn't like them, however, however it went. But I mean, it was the same even working with Warren. It was like Marvel gave us a good bit of room 
a good bit of space on, on Moon Knight. So if anything, it was a good trial run to see how like a creator on book would do. Um, so we kind of all figured out, we all kind of knew our knew what we were doing by the time we started on Injection. Um, Injection was a little bit different in that we put more we put more visual stuff in at the beginning. Um, uh, and, and, you know, Warren wrote it for me. So, there, you know, it leans into like a lot of like establishing shots and locations and um, landscapes, things I, I really like drawing. I wouldn't ask for them, but he put them in there. Um, and also because we didn't have a clue what the ha- was happening in the story because we we don't know. I've, I've no idea what happened, like happens after what I've drawn. But um, you'd be looking to put in ideas, but I've no idea. No, I remember Jory trying to figure out this thing about the about the flashbacks and we're like oh right okay because we can do this for the flashbacks because they'll all take place here and then that'll make that that'll make sense then the next issue the flashback is a completely different time which completely doesn't work for what we were thinking of so we'd have to think of something else um so you're always basically kind of trying to play catch up creatively but um but it was I mean but look also at the end of the day Jory was working on all these huge books so like you know I would say injection was absolutely priority for me because it was my first creator own book and I was putting everything into it. Jordy had plenty of other like massive books to be worried about. So I think a lot of it was just her probably having to deal with me being very way too um caring way too much. But um and she'd get them done fa- like she'd get them done faster than I'd like. You know, in my mind, I want her to spend ages <laughs> meticulously rendering things, but then she'd get them done really quick. But then when they'd be done, you'd be like, "Fuck, that looks great," you know. Um, and and I learned, I think I learned a lot, learned a lot working with Jordy because, like, she would come up with ideas that were not in my head, but then when she would do them, you'd be like, "Fuck, that's really cool." I never would have thought of that, and it it it. It was a really good lesson to learn as a collaborator because I think sometimes, you know, artists or writers um, have very highfalutin um, ideas or, or, or thoughts about their own ideas, and um, there's nothing better than a, than than like the you know a splash of water to the face seeing that something else is really good. Like just because it wasn't your idea doesn't mean that that it's a bad idea. And it made me, I think, a better collaborator to kind of roll with punches. I mean, I mean, if there's something you don't like, that's fine. And and there's nothing wrong with them saying as much. But, like, sometimes the best idea in the room is, like, you know, it's the it's the temp at the back of the office, you know. Um, You've you got to be open to that type of stuff. And, 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 um, and that made me a better creator, I think, overall. Well, I mean, speaking certainly of creator-owned work, we'll move into sort of the third act of the podcast. And there's only one place we can really, you know, sort of finish on you know i'll just show you this lovely little graphic novel in my hand that Wait. absolutely nobody can see in this audio medium uh so congratulations on the success of bog bodies uh oh, thanks, original graphic novel you worked on with gavin gavin fullerton uh, i saw your tweet recently about it being second highest selling book after some little title called batman you know, I'd like to say I've never heard of it, but I did <laughs> talk about that for like a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, see when it comes to bog bodies. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, mean, I, I mean, I think I would think we should all remember that there was a there was a pandemic shutdown, um. So you know, I th- I think that would I think things might have gone a little bit differently. But hey, no, 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 no star required. That's sold on the strength of the concept and on the. It's a cracking book, man. Like genuinely, I've read it. I've read it three times. Fantastic now. stuff. Yeah, fantastic um, stuff. The the main question that comes to my mind from it is probably a question I don't know if you're going to expect or not. But was there a worry that because you used the sort of Dublin brogue in it, 
that the book wouldn't translate so well to those unfamiliar with how sort of Dublin people sound. You know, it's... Well, I read it and it's fine, but you know what I mean? Like an American so you, audience... Could, or, so yeah, you haven't read Savage Town then, have you? I have read Savage Town, yes, with Vertigo comics as well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, that was, it was Image Comics um, oh. as well, but like that Savage that was specifically a limerick accent. Okay. Like, if if people <laughs> if people couldn't read bog bodies, then there's no way they could read Savage Town. <laughs> um, so I, for for me, I, like I don't think I don't think bog bodies is that tough. I mean, well, one, it's not. I don't think it's really written in a Dublin brogue. I kind of made it more like I'm from Clare, but I don't sound like I'm from Clare. Um, so I have a bit of more broad monster accent, I guess. But um, so I kind of wrote it really from be honest, my own for my own accent, but with like some some Dublin references here and there. But um, because because Savage Time was so specific, and I was happy with that, and I wanted to try that. Um, but I also, you know, Limerick isn't Dublin, and, and they're not going to sound the same. So I kind of wanted to make something that was just a little bit more accessible, you know. Um, not so much where like they all. I didn't just want to write it in Queen's English or anything, but mm-hmm. um, I uh, I wanted it to feel um, distinct enough where it, it it felt authentic in the in the, in the world in which it was placed, but not to the point where it was actively distracting, you know. Um but uh, yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of stuff in there that 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 might go over your head. But I, I think the the benefit of Bog Bodies was it's one location and one scenario and it never cuts away. You know, you don't cut away to the guards looking for them. You don't cut away back to the boss. You're in you're in that location and I think and again also it's a graphic novel. It's not single issue. So I think that the reader the reader's just going to stick with it and, and figure it out, you know. And I think any any of the references that are very specific, I think they're they're contextualized in a way in which you you follow what's going on. Um, my example w- w- with with Savage Town, which was much harsher with that, um, was um, the Wire, where I love the Wire, but I mean, I mean that first season was rough because like, you know, <laughs> that's a red ball. Who's Duke? What's a Duke? Like it's it's all these. It wasn't and it wasn't just a gang slang. It was like yeah, like the the, the all the homicide cops, red ball. Like I think it took me two years to figure out what that actually was. But you understand the context of it, you know. It doesn't. You're not going. I have no idea what's happening. You know what's happening. You just don't know the specifics. And um, I, I think those things can actually be very immersive when they're done right. Bog bodies. The idea of these sort of wild, unsettled spaces where people can get lost and bodies can be buried, never be found, button up against, right up against big populous cities, you know, it's really compelling and kind of disturbing in equal measure, especially whenever it's set a, on a small island such as Ireland, you know, the, yeah. the rural button up against the urban, the ancient button up against the modern. Tell us a wee bit about sort of the thinking behind the story, the inspiration for it and, and, and the story that, that you set out to tell. Well, I mean, well, it was kind of like that with Savage Town too. Cause like you'd, you know, it was, <clears throat> it was loosely based on the, um, the, the gang war that was happening in Limerick in the, the early two thousands. Uh, I stress loosely because <laughs> as I say, those guys are getting out of prison soon. Um, but, uh, you know, I actually, I live, <clears throat> I live in South Dublin. And from like outside the window, I can actually see the like the, the beginning of the Dublin Mountains. I think I remember, and I think <clears throat> I, I I was thinking of that episode of Sopranos, um, uh, Pine Barrens, uh-huh, yeah. where um, Chris and um, Polly Polly get lo- yeah mm-hmm. they get lost out in the the woods. Um, and there was an episode of Fargo season three where something was similar like that. I'm like, 
I, th- I think I think I'd been thinking about it, and then I saw the episode of Fargo, and it clicked that I really wanted to do it. But um, uh, I've just been stuck out in the middle of nowhere, and like when it's when you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of nowhere, you know. Um, like I, I I remember one my the, the 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 night before I started college, I was seventeen. I got hammered, and I was staying at this girl's house, and uh, I was going to college the next morning, and um, I I couldn't get a taxi. So I had to walk like seven miles out into the countryside in pitch black and like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing out there. Um, and I just thought that would be interesting visually, um, landscape wise, because, I mean, I wasn't thinking it was for somebody else necessarily at the time. Just these things kind of pop into your head. But um, but also like, you know, how many stories do you know, like about like, you know, it's the same with the IRA where they'll get rid of somebody out. Like you're never too far away from, mm-hmm, from, yeah. from, from a field. Do you know what I mean? Which is interesting about Ireland is that like, even in the most dense, like, you know, Dublin will be, I guess the dense, the, the most dense urban city in the, in the, on the Island. Um, Belfast is more kind of spread out, but, um, uh, even at that, like it, it takes what, 20 minutes to be out. And like, I get a taxi home from the pub when I went to the pub before covid and like there'd be foxes on the road you know like yeah yeah and i don't think it's not the same like say for something like america or maybe even in the uk that those areas are just just far more urban more or urbanly dense um and i kind of i just thought that was interesting you know that Mm. you can be a cosmopolitan whatchamacallit and you know in in just 20 minutes you can be in the absolute middle of nowhere and um I yeah I guess I just kind of I, I I glommed onto that idea and just stuck with it I guess and and to great effect to great effect oh thanks yeah absolutely um so what what was it like working with Gavin Fullerton on the book um so what experiences did you learn through um your years of great like sequential art and cover art as well um what did you learn as an artist that maybe made you a better writer. Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I was already brilliant at that stage. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, um, well, I mean, it wasn't my, it wasn't my first experience. I think I learned more like previously because I was, you know, that's when I was trying to figure myself out. By the time I was writing bog bodies, I had enough experience writing and where I was, I, I had a good idea of what I was doing by then. And, and I feel what my, the job I really have to do is not, you know, get in Gavin's way. Um, cause again, like, you know, just because I'm just, cause I'm an art, an artist and I'm writing doesn't mean like, you know, I, th- I think the, people had the idea that like, I, I, I think I read a review or something where somebody said that I art directed Gavin, which isn't true at all. Um, mm-hmm. like we'd have feedback and I definitely gave suggestions sometimes if I thought that like something wasn't quite, quite working, but like, you know, that'd be 5% of the whole thing. Like, um, the, yeah. the point was, for, was to write something for Gavin to, I, <clears throat> I met Gavin years previously and I really liked his stuff and he had done a lot of zines but no major work and I really wanted to read a graphic novel by by Gavin. Of course in the end he ended up doing it at Boob Studios but uh um because we were talking about bog bodies before he got he got offered something at Boom so he asked if he could do that I'm like yeah fine whatever. Uh <laughs> no but um <clears throat> but yeah for for me just trying to not not get in the way like I, I definitely have an idea what i think something should look like but you put that in the script and i'm trying to think of a couple of examples maybe where gavin wanted to do something differently but i think we had a fairly good 
like we draw differently, but I think we have a very similar visual approach. So when I started getting into layouts in and stuff, it was like, yeah, this is how, for the most part, it was fairly close to how I would see it or or, or do it. <clears throat> so I think his strength, his massive strength in his character designs, which I don't think I have. So I think Killian and Neve and they all look so much more interesting than what I would have drawn to the point where when I, because I was I was writing it as Gav, as as Gavin was starting to draw it, and when I saw the drawing of Jerry. And what a malicious-looking fucker he was! Oof. Like that's like that's why I, I think Jerry would have been a lot more generic had I had had Gavin not drawn that character. Um, seeing that like in, like crazy boggle eyes of his uh, just made me want to write that face, you know. Um, which is which is which is when I'm happiest is when is when the work, the art coming from the scripts comes back to me and it and it informs the scripts more. Yeah. I really. You can't always create that scenario, but I, I I find it really rewarding when I feel like you're really collaborating because it's feeding each aspect is feeding itself, you know. Yeah, that cool. was uh, what Jerry was one. I don't know that gave me a really uneasy feeling. The sort of the sort of person, I guess, nearly like like Begbie and train spot, and you're like, this could go either way here, and I am not comfortable <laughs> sitting next to this guy or sitting near this guy or reading about this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say it's 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 weird writing that character because there's something kind of fun about it. It's like, <laughs> wow, this is a horrible thing to say. Um, am I? Should I be liking this? Because it's like <laughs> tapped towards some horrible part of you. But um, uh, but no. But I mean, he also. I mean, you needed you needed that kind of ticking clock, which is what mm. he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you needed the the specter of death, which is what he is. Because I, it, it was just it was just Kino. Kino's too too much of a mate to to be that scary uh, for me. Um, and. Yeah, I, I just think Gavin, the way Gavin Droom gave him an edge that really just pushed pushed that for me. And um, uh, like, I, it was my favorite, it was my favorite character in the whole thing, which is horrible. <laughs> but they're all horrible, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really uh, no heroes. There's really no heroes in that story. No, well, those are the best stories, I suppose. Sometimes, aren't they? So we're all, you know, relatively the same age. Like, I would have grown up watching like um, the General um, in the Name of the Father, like all, all those kind of yeah. that kind of explosion of Irish cinema, which a lot of it was 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 crime based. You know, I mean, the, the Snapper it was the crime film, but like there was there was a lot of kind of um, contemporary Ireland seen in film that hadn't been seen before. And I remember really liking that. Uh, so it gave me the idea to do Savage Town because the snapper is set in a council estate. And like, I didn't grow up in Dublin, but I, you know, I knew a council estate. And I remember thinking like, I'd lo- I've never seen that on a comic and I, that would be interesting. Um, and it's the so same with, with bog bodies, whereas like, you know, that's not, I didn't grow up in a bog or anything. Although, you know, it'd be some, you know it might sound like I do, but I did. But um, I, like, I liked that kind of, I guess I wouldn't call it noir, but there was definitely kind of a dark edge to a lot of stuff coming out around then. Um, uh, like a lot of my favorite films are those those films, and I guess you know if um, if Savage Town was my Roddy da- Roddy Doyle uh, inspiration, this one was was either like my Jim Sheridan or um, you know one of the McDonough Brothers inspirations. You know, like that's like yeah, even those films like they have a certain kind of cynical hysterical mood to them and I, I love those I love those types of films and I, I, I like telling those types of stories and you know you can't really 
you can't necessarily do that with Deadpool, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I like, I know it feels like you're putting more creative energy back into the pot, which was, was yeah. really, it was, it was satisfying in a way that nothing else I'd ever done had been. Yeah, there's a real bleakness to it too. Um, I was just going to ask you briefly before we wrap it up. Um, I know you haven't like, you're not like Declan Shelby artist and then Declan Shelby writer, but um, art cred is obviously something really important to you. You're forgetting Declan Shelby lover. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not too familiar. I'm not we'll, too familiar. We'll start that hashtag that, so tomorrow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about art cred. Um, obviously, it's a big issue now. Um, have you seen any sort of movement on? Are you still seeing the same things that you were seeing a couple of years ago? And what what can we do to kind of make it better? Because it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast and we, we try. But Well, I mean, look, you'll try and you'll fail. I, I fail. I, I mean, I know there's there's definitely times where I don't feel like I gave Gavin his due on Bog Bodies in press, where I might have even forgotten to mention him a couple of times. I don't, I don't think so, because it's in the back of my mind. But like, you know being the writer on something and doing so much of like the promotion for it, you know, you're, 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 you're trying to be aware of everything. And sometimes something slips. And I think like, you know, I've stepped off on the art cred thing for, for two. I mean, not that I, I, I walk any of it back. I, I mean, everything I said, I just, I just don't, um, I'm not like a dog with a bone with it anymore because two reasons. I think I found that whenever I tried to talk about it in, like a constructive manner, the conversation would be pulled away from me on the internet and turned into this ugly artist versus writers thing, which well, yeah, I, that's, that's just everything, isn't it? Sometimes it is, when you try to have discourse, and I'm that's not my argument. It never has been my argument, but it would be warped every single time. So every time I'd I try talk about it, that would happen. So and it just and then so then you and then you have people making digs at each other and then it, it just became antagonistic and i just remember looking at my computer going like what the fuck this is not this isn't what i'm talking about you know the best like some writers are wankers absolutely and some of them take absolutely take advantage of, of artists but most are your best defend are your best defenders they're your collaborators you know and um, i think there's things that propagate it like um, you know, bad reviews or inconsiderate reviews or people talking in a shorthand. Like, how often would you talk about Hickman's Hickman's Avengers or uh, Remender's X-Men? Because more people who work on those books, the harder it is to speak about them in singular vision, you know, singular visions. So as a, as a point, I try and only do things that are like that because then it's easier, you know. There, there, I saw a couple of headlines were like Shalvey's Bog Bodies. And being honest, like, I didn't argue because I, I was just so fucking tired, <laughs> you know, just from trying to yeah. trying to push a book that nobody knows anything or cares anything about. It's, you know, it doesn't have Deadpool on the cover, so it's hard to it's hard to get people to to read a lot of this stuff. Um, but you know, I, I I still try to do my best. I think overall things are better. I see a lot more press releases with the art. Like sometimes I might see like something that says the writer, you know, writer, yada yada yada. And actually, this is another reason why I stopped too, is because I was like, "Oh, you mother! Oh, you didn't mention the yet." And then I'd I'd read the text, and it clearly says co-created by the artist, yada yada yada. So I'm angry, but I'm I don't have any right to be angry because I did clearly state who the artist was as a co-creator, and I found that like 
I think it was doing that thing that that just has become part of this online culture where you get your blood up about something, you shit on it on the internet, and everybody piles in. And I hate that. And I didn't like that I was... I didn't like that, one, I was contributing to it, and two, that I was, like, very much... You know, if I keep having that reaction, how is that going to spill over into everything? So I, tr- I just trying to take a step back from just being so reactionary, and and I prefer put out something positive rather than something negative. S- you know, saying that now, I'll still mention it the odd time. I guess I just, um, I mean, also I was getting made fun of a lot for being the outcried guy, which, you know, is fine, but um, it was also exhausting. But um, I, but you know, I didn't want, I didn't want, I didn't want the campaign to speak to who I was. I want the work to do that. Mm-hmm. And there is a, you know, it, it was, I think it was getting to a gray area where, where that is who I was. And that's not like, I, I want to be somebody who's definitely helping that conversation. I remember I was talking to an editor at Mar- when I was at Marvel one time and they said, you know, that they were going to do this promotion where they were just, they, they had the writer's name up there and the editor remembered what stuff that I had said online and said, actually, he's right. We should, I mean, I didn't bring it up to him. This was the, this was just a thought he had. He's like, actually, the stuff Declan's been talking about, he's right. We need to put the artists on there too. So if I've helped and I'm not aware of it, great. Like if it's helped, I feel like, I feel like it helped. I, I think it moved the conversation forward. I think that people just not need to stop being so, such assholes or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, the fact that you think are thinking about it is good. And it reminds you to just... Make two percent more of a, of a of a mental leap. I mean, I'll do it in email sometimes, where I'll write down the writer's thing because we've all been conditioned to do it, you know. But I stop for a second. I go, I'm going to make sure I do it, and it, it just it just takes 0.5 seconds to do. Admittedly, I you know I'm not perfect either. I I I I I, I flake on it sometimes, but I try and make sure that like lead by you know I try lead by example more than telling people why you know yelling at people doesn't doesn't bring does, it never endures you to them you know yeah i mean i think lead by example is the uh is the key part there i mean certainly as roddy was saying on our podcast and certainly on our store if we're recommending things we'll you know accredit both so it'll be snyder and capullo's batman it'll be you know kieran gillen and dan mora's once in future you know we, we'll always yeah. try to push both because Certainly but, in our I store. Mean, like, no, go ahead. I think there's a marketing argument for it, right? Because Once in Future will end, and Kieran Gillen's doing Eternals now, so that's great. So Dan Mora is an amazing artist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. whatever he's doing next should should like whatever project he does next should benefit from his the amazing work he did on the previous one. And I find that that happens more with writers than it does artists, even though it takes artists way more time to do that. So you spend more time building, let's say, prestige only for it to generally go along with the rider onto the next thing. And I, you know, I'm doing fine. I can't complain, but there's definitely artists out there who spend like a year in a book and then nobody pays attention afterwards because, because they, even though they would have made, would be such a huge part of why that book is good. And it's not to pull anything away from the writer, but it's like, you know, whatever Jeff Stokely does next. I'm, I, I like Kieran Gillen's work, but you know, and I, and I really like Jeff Stokely's work. And they're working together on an image book right now. Great. I want to know what Jeff's doing as much as I want to know what Kieran Gillen is doing. Yeah. And there's no reason. And it also means you can market two. If you market one book with two creators, that means you can do the work for two books down the line. Rather, I feel that a lot of companies market the book 
and they used that to sell the writer's next book and they not not so much not so much for the artist and i i just think it's i think it's i think you're dropping the ball marketing wise with that because the work's already been done so you should cash in on it yeah i mean i think that's totally true because certainly in our store we'll always say to people follow creators that you like the indie market is so big right now you know with image with boom with dark horse with idw and as you say you're you're essentially guaranteeing your next sale because if someone really enjoys someone's art or someone's writing you're guaranteeing that they're going to follow that you know creator but we'll always say we'll never say follow writers or follow artists we'll always say follow creators that you like and again you just you just try to lead by example you know um but yeah, I mean, you've. Uh, we'll, we'll just finish up now. I'll just I'll throw in one last question, and uh, I don't want you to miss being able to get to the shop. Um, I think I'll, I think I might have at this stage, so so I'll take it. Uh-huh, we're gonna have we're gonna have to send provisions your way to make up for it. Then <laughs> um, well, I was just gonna say. So the last few years for you, they've, you've really seen your hard work pay off, um, and with that sort of recognition, hopefully you'll have the luxury to pick and choose where you go from here. You know, if with that being the case, what sort of work would you like to do in the future? Is there something out there daredevil aside of course that you you would just love to sink your teeth into and achieve well it's weird man like i said i i had like two years figured out and now it's all it's all topsy-turvy um talking to marvel about a couple of things but nothing solid i'm, I'm doing something for them at the moment i'm writing and drawing um a one shot uh on a book i really like so I'm, I'm happy out so i'll work on that for the next couple of months but um I'm co-writing something creator-owned that'll be out next year. Um, what else am I doing? But like, I think, I mean, I know I would like, I like doing both. I like doing creator-owned and I like doing um, work for hire, superhero stuff. So, I mean, I think the one thing I have is I want to write and draw from now on. Um, so I, I talked to Marvel and because they were saying what you want, you know, asking if I wanted to do stuff, and I was like, I just want to write and draw. I don't really want to work with anybody else at the moment. I feel like it's mm-hmm. like it's. I think creatively, it's the next step for me because I've written for other people, but I have I've only the only thing I've written and drawn are, are some shorts. Well, actually, wait, some short stories like the the Wolverine thing I just did. I'm really happy with. It's like ten page, like really hardcore, like. Um, just story of Wolverine murdering a load of people in a cabin. Um, and like, it was so cool to work on, you know? Um, so I, I just want to do more of that. You know, I think I'm going to, whatever I draw next, I'm going to, I'm going to write. Be it at Marvel or be it at Image or whatever it is, I, I haven't quite figured out yet. But um, uh, plus, like, you know, with all the, the war and stuff as well, like, I, I don't know. I, I would have worked on Injection, no problem, because I, wa- I wanted to finish that story. But i feel i feel i feel that like being known as a writer for other artists which i'm happy to be i mean i really i really enjoy that process but i also you know i just i just wrote and drew a story for mooney's half a stranger book and the batman one of the thing i'm doing sorry the, the wolverine one and the what i'm doing now and i'm enjoying that process so creatively it feels right i think maybe commercially it's the right move too to do more of that so i think i'm just gonna yeah i think my creatively is what i want to do and I just, I just don't know where I'm going to do it yet. Ideally, I'd like to do both. I would love to like do a year on Daredevil and then go do a year in, on an image book. I, I I enjoy so much about both processes. You know, I to, to do stuff that's creator-owned, there's nothing more rewarding. But to do the stuff at Marvel is like, I mean, you know, the money is great. <laughs> like, it's nice to not have to worry. Well, it's not the money is great. It's, it's just that like, it's nice to not have to do every single thing about the book other than draw it 
I can just draw. This next thing I'm going to do for Marvel, I'm just going to draw it. I don't need to worry about selling it because the character will sell it. It's different with creator own because you just got to hustle so much more. And that that is really tough, I'll, I'll admit. Um, so I want to... That's why I, I, I like to alternate because when you get exhausted of doing one, you can go back and do the other. And if you get frustrated with a lack of creative freedom, then you can just go back and do the other. You know, There's no point arguing Marvel like, why can't I shave Wolverine's head? Like it's not my character, you know. Um, but if I, you know, if I want to do that, go do it on, on the creator own thing. So I, I, I think it's a healthy balance to have. Um, so ideally, I'd like to, I'd like to do, do that. Uh, I mean, just to expand on that ever so slightly, very quickly. I mean, could you see yourself returning to the world of bog bodies? I mean, I, I got a little bit of a sort of Brubaker Phillips criminal vibe from it. And obviously, they tell loads of different stories in the same universe. Could you see yourself That's expanding very on much, that? Well, yeah. I mean, that is very much what I'm going for. If I'm being honest, well, yeah. I, I did. Well, I did Savage Town, and I was that was. I was hoping I could do that as a trilogy, but the book didn't do well enough. Just to be on, just to be frank, it it did well enough for the book to make a profit, which it was great. But um, if something, if you're going to do volume two, it's going to sell less than volume one, and volume three will sell less than that. And that just wasn't feasible. Like, while one can be a success, two wouldn't have been, you know. Um, so I was like, oh, but I want to do, I really wanted to do more stories like that. So I actually had Bug Buddies was an idea I pitched to Vertigo um, that they were interested in. But then when Savage Town was announced, they bailed on it. So good for me. I got, I got to do his image instead, so I'm happy. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, more, there's more stories I'd like to do in that world. Um, become my running joke is that basically I'm getting to do my own criminal, but it's set in Ireland. Um, and you know, there's plenty of, I know I want to do like, so I wouldn't do a sequel to bog bodies, but I would like to do another one in that world. So I have, I have an idea and I have an artist for another one. And I, I think I'd like to write and draw one as well, but I think that would have to be the last one. So I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I definitely have like two more, two more of those books. I definitely have in me, um, but I also don't want to do it indefinitely. So I, I might. But then again, it all depends on sales. I mean, Bug Buddies has done well, so I'm quite happy with that. So I think I, I think another one wouldn't be so hard to get approved at Image. But um, uh, but yeah, ideally, I'd like to do. I'd like to just every couple of years have a new Irish, uh, or I call I'm calling them Paddy Wackery books. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to like do you know do one every couple of years or something like that, you know, and um, especially because there's so many good Irish artists that like I feel like there's there's a there's such a there's lots of talent to be used there, you know. Well, Paddy Wackery, that's. Uh... I was going to say welcome to the Shelbyverse, but that's... Uh... <laughs> a lot of people have said Shelbyverse. I just think it's a terrible, terrible word. It just sounds... <laughs> oh, as much of a pretentious wanker I am, I think that's just too far. Just too far a step. Just too far. But I think, yeah, I think it was, it was Mooney it was Mooney who said Paddy Wackery to me. I'm like, that's perfect. Don't, perfect. don't, don't give him credit. Don't give him credit. <laughs> You're right. And then I said to Mooney, I said, Paddy Wackery. And he was like, that's brilliant. And I was like, which... which yeah, and I said, I know. And then he said, Declan, you're a genius. <laughs> absolutely would say. Um, that wouldn't be out of character at all. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, but, but there's also things I'd like to do that aren't. I mean, the, the thing that I the thing that I am going to do creator owned next isn't isn't Irish crime. It's more like a sci-fi book. Because um, there's there's other stories I'd like to tell. Savage Town was the thing I really wanted to try doing that. 
and I really liked it. And Bog Bodies was like, I want to do it again. And so I do want to do it again, but it's, it's not the only story I, I, I have in me, you know, well, or type of story even. Well, hopefully next time you're launching something creator, we can actually make good on the uh, the idea that we had. You were going to be up doing a signing in the store, launching Bog so Bodies. Like maybe this whole virus thing will blow yeah, over. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, you did say every couple of years, so hopefully, you know, by then we'll be in some sort of position. But, yeah. but yeah, you were very generous. You were gonna, you know, come up to the store and do a signing on Free Comic Book Day, launch Bog Bodies, Punisher versus Barracuda. But obviously, everything got. In, but you look, know. look, I'll still make good them. Once things are are more open, um, I'm I'm happy to. Like, I'm I'm going to get on a train tomorrow to go see my mom and Claire. But I, that's the first journey I'll have made since this all kicked off and no better no, 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 no better journey to be made than to see <laughs> your mum <laughs> yeah oh, well, to, to see your mother <laughs> <laughs> but uh no but, it's uh, it's it's been wonderful talking to a man as i say it's uh as you say there's something great about just you know chatting amongst the irish you know we could just talk each other's head off all day so um but yeah really uh, good, like, I, could, I need to be told to shut up that's my problem yeah, we, we get the same thing, don't worry, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you've been more than generous with your time, dude, as I say, and uh, thanks for coming on to this. As I say, it's our 100th episode. We managed to have a couple of creator ones. We're going to do like a episode 100 cover A, episode 100 cover B <laughs> variant sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, with a couple of creator interviews. So they'll be out, they'll be out this week. Thanks for having me, and, um, and thanks for supporting the book too, man. Like, just if, if retailers in order it, yeah, it's been been, like been selling great guns in the store, and I think that, you know, we do try to push a lot of local stuff, and, you know, obviously your name is one that's, you know, higher than some other local uh, creators, but we, we always try to push, you know, Irish creators anyway. We have a little section in the store that's all Irish creators and local creators, so when an original graphic novel came along set in the outskirts of Dublin, easy sell, you know, so... Nice one. And the feedback's been great, so now keep up the amazing work, man, and uh, thanks for this, so we'll we'll look forward to chatting to you again, hopefully. Oh, thanks, guys. Cheers. Yeah, um, yeah. Give me a shout any any time. Not any time. You know. <laughs> uh, we'll get you and your mum on tomorrow night. I, I have a life. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Douglas. Cheers. Yeah. Great to chat with you. Yeah. Cheers, Douglas. Lovely to get a, get a proper proper yarn. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.